which do not appear to be directly related to the subject of Krishna consciousness, at least there are several. At the end of Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami explains to Parikshit Maharaj that he has described many different stories of kingly dynasties <coughs> just to awaken the sense of renunciation, which is a necessary prerequisite for devotional service. Of course, he said that Austerities are not necessary for devotional service, but the sense of renunciation must be the sense of detachment from this material world. In other words, as Prabhupada comments in one purport, the Acharya creates a situation in which people can come to Krishna consciousness. He strives to make that atmosphere. Now, this particular story is, at least at this stage of it, it's not so much one of renunciation, it's much of the focus of the, or what is brought out by this story of Sukanya and Chiyavan Muni is the chastity and ideal behavior of Sukanya. Although we see later that Chiyavan Muni, as he was a transcendentalist, he became disgusted with himself for his fall down. The story is that he was meditating within an anthill only his eyes could be seen. His eyes were glowing because he was such a powerful yogi. Sometimes you see, especially uh, people who perform a lot of austerities, impersonalists, transcendentalists, uh, the, uh, the Kundalini Shakti becomes very strong. Their eyes become extremely bright. So he was meditating within an anthill, and one time the king, what's the king's name? King Shariati. King Shariati. He came in this forest area to hunt, as kings do. This time he brought his daughter, Sikanya. The young girl, she saw in an anthill there two lights. So she took a stick and, out of playful curiosity, blinded Chiyavamuni, who was therefore very angry and ready to curse the king, but the king took shelter of him and said, whatever you want, free me from your cup. Don't, don't curse you, but whatever you want. So he took his daughter. So she was the daughter of a king. She expected to be married to a young, handsome prince and live in luxury, but instead she got married to some old, haggard mission living in the forest. But this is the story of her chastity, that she fully accepted that position. And now he's my husband, even though he's old enough to be my great-grandfather. He's my husband, and I have to serve him and please him in all respects. So, how this relates to Krishna consciousness? Prabhupada is given here a purport except explaining how she's a chaste woman. Now, there are many, many problems Prabhupada has given us. Traditionally, our Acharyas, they didn't, Acharyas of Bhagavatam, they didn't explain how women are. There wasn't such an important point. That comes, that'll be there more in Mahabharata, Ramayana. 
in Karmakandiya scriptures. But this Bhagavatam is actually meant for when you've already been through having a chaste life or being a chaste life. It's meant for coming to the Paramahamsa platform. The Prabhupada has given many comments on family life within his Bhagavatam Prabhupada, the behavior of women. Why is that? To explain to people in the modern age who don't know these basic principles of human civilization. Prabhupada is explaining it. Because unless we live according to basic principles of human civilization, then how can we advance in Krishna consciousness? Considering that most of the population is going to get married, then they need some direction how to do so. Otherwise, if you follow the modern model of family life, it's, it's totally chaotic. Modern family life means the home is total chaos, full of tension. That's all. The, the tendency is there in any family situation. Because basically, the family life means there's some self-interest. It's entered into with some, for the purpose of fulfilling some desires. But the Vedic injunctions direct us to live family life in which you fulfill your desires, but at the same time uh, do that in a regulated way, in a, in a manner of life which is centered on Krishna. So that gradually the propensities for personal enjoyment are purified. So that gradually one becomes selfless. So the Vedic system is a, is a system to guide people to live in which they can become purified. That is necessary. It's necessary to have directions. That's why we have the process of sadhana bhakti. It's not that just you hear about Krishna and then next day or next moment you already reach the perfectional stage. There's a process to become purified. So the Vanashram system is also a process to become purified so that we can gradually come to the stage of pure Krishna consciousness. So what are, what are the basic principles in family life it's a, it's a difficult situation you have people living together they all have so many desires to fulfill so how can it be living how, how can this situation not become an explosion as is so common in the modern age either, the, either explosion or implosion either there's huge bites or someone or one of the spouses just vanishes. So how to avoid that? The directions are there. Sense of responsibility. A woman should be very submissive to her husband. Here's the example. Now, Sukanya, she could have, she could have complained to her father and said, hey, wait a minute. I'm not getting married to this guy. You get cursed. Why spoil my life? That's we often we have this hey Gornitai, did you offer obeisances? Gornitai. Did you offer obeisances when you came in the temple room? You did. All right, very good. Well, that's that's uh, that's the attitude in the modern age. You see someone says that you know, why should I 
Why should I spoil my, you know, why should I spoil my life? I got married, I don't like this woman, and, you know, I'm miserable, so, you know, why should I spoil my life? Just dump the, dump the woman or dump the husband and try again somewhere else. I mean, you're only going to live once, so live happily. Find someone you can be happy with. Didn't work out one time, try someone else. It makes sense for an atheist who believes that sense gratification is the only goal of life. But Sukanya was brought up in a different way. First thing, she, she was uh, ready to follow the, whatever her father arranged. That was the system. That was the system. Whatever the father arranges, the parents arrange, then the marriage goes on. That's why in the old Hindi movies, before they were totally just absolutely lusty, they're also lusty, but a little more restrained. But the, the famous scene of husband and wife get married, and then at last, after all the celebrations, they're alone in the room, and for the first time he lifts the veil. What's my new wife? What is my wife who I have to live with? My, what does she look like? You wouldn't even know. Whatever it is, it is. You can't change it, you know. You didn't have plastic surgery in those days. And try and fix up your face a bit. Whatever it is, it is. You didn't know. Whatever you get married to, that's it. And that was entered into in the spirit of responsibility. So Sukanya, she, she was right. She took her father's direction. And okay, father says to get married to this man. All right, so he's old. She, she was trained like that. That whatever the husband wants, you simply try to satisfy him. This Chavan Muni was an old, grumpy old man. The, the phenomena of grumpy old men. You know this what grumpy means? It means complaining all the time, difficult to please. It's a common phenomena because old, old men means they're mostly frustrated. They want to enjoy, they can no longer enjoy. Before they were important people and people took them seriously. Now everyone's just waiting for them to die. They're just a nuisance. So they become grumpy. Young people, young people don't respect them. They become grumpy. So same thing, Chavanamuni. He wasn't a wasn't a devotee of Krishna. So instead of becoming more and more blissful as he grew older, he became more and more miserable. Krishna bhakta nishkam atevushanta mukti bhutti siddhi kami shakuli ashanta. Even if you're a great yogi. You have so many material desires, therefore you can't be peaceful in your mind. So you have so many unfulfilled desires. That's why he was from mystic yoga. He had some desires to fulfill. But he was simply this yoga part, you see, there's so many tapasvis, people performing austerities. They, be, they, uh, they become very angry by nature because they're performing austerities. They're just, they're, they're shutting up their material desires with the aim of getting some bigger material desire fulfilled. But it simply makes their heart hard. So you see the, the cursing, anyone says, immediately curse someone, come hungry. Because they, they're, they're frustrated. So Chaitanya was like that. He was a grumpy old man. Here we see that by the grace of the Ashwini Kumaras, he got a young body, which is this young looking body, which is described here as Vanita Priya. The three Ashwini, the two Ashwini Kumaras, the positions of the demigods, and 
Shivan Muni, they all came out of the lake with forms that were Vanita Priya. Vanita means woman. Priya means which is dear to. So the, the beautiful, handsome young man, that form is very attractive to women. But Chavan Muni, as he was before, he wasn't at all attractive. You see, the, the young princess, she was expecting, no doubt, to get married to some handsome young man. Since she got married to the, some ugly old man, who is Vanita Apriya, not pleasing to women. But she accepted it. And even he was so grumpy and miserable, you know, some kind of people, whatever you do, it's wrong. If you do, whatever you do, they'll say, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. It's, it's never right. So there are people like that. So Chevan Muni was like that, grumpy old man. But still she tried to please him in all respects. And as a result, she actually got, by his yoke, by the Ashwini Kumara's power, he got the form of a young man, and then by his own yogic power, he arranged for so many material opulences for So all her desires were fulfilled. Now one, there's one very important statement in one of his purports. It's this whole, uh, this whole, uh, in the modern age, there's so many books written about how to live a happy family life. They have no idea. There's one principle. You can throw all these books out, they're all useless. You take one line from this Prophet's book. What is given here, Mr. Prophet? What is the uh, success story for marriages? That Sukanya, she tried to please her husband in all respects. And even though he was not very pleasing to her. She, she just tried to please him. And as a result, all her desires were fulfilled. Papa says, this is victory for a woman. Where is that? This is victory for a woman. How she controls the husband by pleasing him in so many ways. Have you already read that? Did you come to the master who read this before already? Ah. Right. This this purport a few days ago. Let's read it all. The translation, text ten. Chavan Muni was very irritable, grumpy old man. But since Sukanya had gotten him as her husband, she dealt with him carefully according to his mood. Knowing his mind, she performed service to him without being bewildered. Purport. This is an indication of the relationship between husband and wife. A great personality like Chavan Muni has the temperament of always wanting to be in a superior position. Such a person cannot submit to anyone. Therefore, Chavan Muni had an irritable temperament. His wife, Sukanya, could understand his attitude, and under the circumstances, she treated him accordingly. If any wife wants to be happy with her husband, she must try to understand her husband's temperament and please him. This is victory for a woman. You see? If any wife wants to be happy with her husband, it's presumed that a wife wants to be happy with her husband. She must try to understand her husband's temperament and please him. Yeah. You see? Take all your psychology books, throw them in the bin. This is enough. 
Prabhupada goes on. Even in the dealings of Lord Krishna with his different queens, it has been seen that although the queens were the daughters of great kings, they placed themselves before Lord Krishna as his maidservants. However great a woman may be, she must place herself before her husband in this way. That is to say, she must be ready to carry out her husband's orders and please him in all circumstances. Then her life will be successful. When the wife becomes as irritable as the husband, their life at home is sure to be disturbed or ultimately completely broken. In the modern day, the wife is never submissive, and therefore home life is broken even by slight incidents. Prabhupada is emphasizing on submissiveness of women. There are no women here in the class today, so no one to fire machine guns at me. But anyway, this is, is what Prabhupada says. And unfortunately, even there are many women in our movement who don't like to accept and maybe they want to edit Prabhupada's books or explain that you know, it's not relevant or whatever. But this is what Prabhupada is. This is this just like Bhagavad Gita, Krishna gives instructions which are relevant to all times, places and circumstances. This is also. Either the wife or husband may take advantage of the divorce laws. According to the Vedic law, however, there is no such thing as divorce laws. And a woman must be trained to be submissive to the will of her husband. Westerners contend that this is a slave mentality for the wife. But factually it is not. It is the tactic by which a woman can conquer the heart of her husband, however irritable or cruel he may be. However irritable or cruel he may be. A woman can conquer her husband by submissive behavior. In this case we clearly see but although Chilan Muni was not young enough, was not young, but indeed old enough to be Sukanya's grandfather, and was also very irritable, Sukanya, the beautiful young daughter of a king, submitted herself to her old husband and tried to please him in all respects. Thus she was a faithful and chaste one. So Prabhupada's books have all instruction for spiritual advancement and even for how to live sane life relatively sane life in this insane material world. Let us take advantage of these instructions and spread these instructions to others so that people can become happy. People are so unhappy in the modern age. They're suffering so much. More than at any other time because they're more influenced by atheistic and hedonistic ideas. Therefore, it's the duty of devotees to accept these teachings, apply them in their lives, and spread them to others, so that people can be happy in this life, and happy in the next life. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? No. The question is, if women in our society don't accept or don't follow these directions as given by Prabhupada, then how can we expect the general society to follow? We can't. Actually, the, uh, the, you'll find among in Indian society, not only India, there are so traditional societies anywhere in the world that they're more, they're, they're better at following these principles, even than many of our devotees who are from Western background, because they're keeping their Western mentality. If, if you don't like your husband, just divorce him. That's all. You don't like your wife, just divorce her. So even we see 
in India, so many people, they may be just not even very religiously inclined and very materialistic, just interested in money, and, but uh, just due to their culture, their family life is stable. They don't know that that culture is based on spiritual philosophies. Men, just to live a happy, stable family life, that's not the goal of life at all. They don't know that. But they're still benefiting from that culture. I mean, even, it was in the Western countries also, I remember having my mother being Irish. And that same culture was there in Ireland, very strongly. That uh, husband and wife, they just live together. Often, you know, so many times you go in an Irish home, and it's just absolute chaos because they have so many kids, and their husband, you know, Irish are famous for drinking, and they'd be yelling, and the kids would be yelling. And, but the, you see, the, the mother, she just, you know, just goes on, you know, working morning till night, looking after, does, you know, one kid after another, and one pops out every, you know, Every nine months or so, another one pops up. And just very dedicated mothers. They just go on serving and looking after. Them. And even though, uh, even though the home life is chaotic, it, it's stable in the sense that there's no, there's no pressure that the husband, you know, he may drink and this and that, but he still goes out and works and brings in some money every day. And the wife, she's not going to leave her post, even though it's just absolutely miserable. Uh, no, they have no higher principle. Well, actually, they, I mean, at least they believe in God. I mean, I, I discussed these things with my, these points a few years ago with my old, my eldest, my eldest uncle who in the meantime died. So, you uh, were saying that, you know, you were discussing about the modern age and divorce and all these things, etc. You know, then he said, there is no question of divorce. The term he uses, you just accept your lot. Whoever you got married to, you accept your lot. In other words, it's ordained by God. Whatever it is, it is, and you, you just get on with it. That's all. And ultimately, such people are much happier than those who flit here and there, always trying to find some perfect situation which doesn't exist. People are always dreaming of the perfect marriage. The only perfect marriage is that of Krishna and Radharani, Krishna and Rukmini. That's all. And in the material world, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Perfect marriage means if husband and wife are fully centered on serving Krishna. That's all. Otherwise, there's no, on the material platform, there's nothing perfect. That I'll be perfectly happy with my wife who perfectly fulfills my design. Even if you think it's perfect, then you grow old and she grows old and you know, you want, you want sense gratification. What do you do? And then a woman grows older. That's why you've seen so many times in the Western countries, some man, his, his wife, at the age of 40 or so, she's no longer the beautiful young girl she was when he married her 20 years ago. So he just finds someone, he just finds some young girl, 20 years younger. His daughter's angry. Runs off with her. So many times. Especially some business executive, his secretary is there. He has money, so he can take her to this place and that place. So, so.
So many times this happens. No, no understanding of the purpose of human life is. Anyway, I've said these things many, many times. <laughs> I'm preaching to the converted here. Hmm. Do it. This is a very interesting observation that in Prabhupada's purports, there's so much about the duty of women and how women should behave in marriage, but not very much about how men should behave. Well, I would ascribe this to the purport that we just read, that the onus is more on the women, that if they are submissive and chaste and faithful, then the marriage will work. The, the onus, Prabhupada says he's putting the onus on the women. So there, there's a problem in modern society and Prabhupada is addressing it and he's putting the onus on the women. I would... Onus means, uh, you see it's said here that Sukanya was trained. So in one sense we can't, you know, we just can't say, you know, women are all useless. And they haven't been trained. But Prabhupada is writing these books so they can take the training, just like you aren't trained to chant Hare Krishna. You aren't trained to rise early in the morning, but we've taken that training. So we can take, we can take that training. We can take this training. Women can also take the training. The duty for the husband is to provide for the material needs of his family and to uh, train his children in Krishna consciousness, his wife and children, to guide his wife and children in Krishna consciousness. To take material responsibility and spiritual responsibility and to set an example in his own life of what it means to be a devotee. That is the duty of a husband in Krishna consciousness. Younger. Why did Sukanya, who was a good girl, get a bad husband? And why did Ravana, who was who was a bani, he was a bad guy, he got a good wife? Well, you say a bad husband, you have to be a little careful because after all, Chivan Muni was a, a great rishi, great sage. You could say an incompatible, or he was incompatible in the sense that for marriage there are so many factors. You have to, apart from the astrological chart, you have to see they're compatible by age, equal standard of wealth, caste, education, beauty, so many different factors are there. So from that point of view he was incompatible. So, and then, and then Ravana, he was such a big demon, but his wife was actually a very chaste woman. So how, how does this happen? How does anything happen? The material nature is the cause in one sense, but the material nature supply the our the situations we find ourselves in are due to the interactions of material nature. But the ultimate the ultimate uh, cause of our happiness and distress in this material world is ourselves. So everyone gets a mixture of sinful and pious results. It's not that everyone anyone gets fully pious results or fully sinful results. So you may find even a person who's very sinful, he has some he also has some punya, but generally what happens is someone who's sinful so if someone is pious, they get a good situation. And then they misuse them and 
become sinful. And then in their next life they become, they get a bad situation. So karma is mixed. It's a mixed bag. And Mandodari herself, you know, maybe amid her piety, she, she did something to get Ravana as a husband. That Krishna says in Gita also that exactly how exactly how karma is working is extremely complex. See everything every single thing you do and say and think in Kali Yoga your thinking isn't taken bad thinking is not taken into consideration. But every single thing at every moment you think you say and do that produces some effect. It's what you're doing, it's Influenced by your previous activities, and what, how, what you do again creates a situation in future by which you suffer or enjoy. So there's a continuous chain of cause and effect going on since time immemorial. It's extremely complex. So exactly how you get a particular situation, that's according to your mixed karma both good and bad. You see, there's this uh, Stephen Hawking, famous, probably more famous in India than any other country in the world. People are so, uh, so crazy about science. I would think among the educated people in India, he's better known than among the educated people in the West. Because there are people in India have great respect for science. So he has a, he has a, Apparently a very good brain, of course. He has, of course, he, he missed the point altogether. So it's all misused. His intelligence is all directed in the wrong way. But he's intelligent. He's famous. So that's to get that, that must be the result of some good activities. But then, at the same time, he's totally crippled, apart from two fingers. So that's some simple result. He's mixed. Very good karma is mixed with very bad karma. And he's definitely making himself a lot more bad karma by all his atheistic writings. Yeah. No, no. The question was, did Hanuman show the Vishwaru? Because there are there are popular pictures of Hanuman with a Vishwaru kind of form. So I'm saying that I don't have any knowledge of that. He was on the. He was on the chariot of Arjuna so he, he, may, he, may, he may have seen the Vishwaru but showing it that's something else he's a very you know, even how did he get how did he get himself on the flag I mean, he's a very you know he's a very powerful and special person no doubt but as far as showing I don't know maybe you see everything's not in the Ramayana there are other scriptures also and there, even there are so many stories of Lord Ram which we we may not even know about but I, I can't say exactly. You have to ask someone who's more knowledgeable. He's a jiva. How can he show? Yeah, that's a, that's the obvious point. But there may be some story in the Puranda. Just like Prabhupada was asked about in South India, they had this Ayata, the supposed, the supposed son of Shiva and Mohini Murti. And Prabhupada said, I don't know. It may be in South India. I would, from that, from that point of view, is doubtful because 
He, he's not Bhagavan. Bhagavan shows the Vishnu agreement. I don't know, he may have shown something. Something. And another common picture is Panchmukhi Hanuman. Five-headed Hanuman. I don't know where that's from either, isn't it? It's not in the Valmiki Ramayana, we know of. Huge form, huge form is there. That when he was carrying the Gandamadan yeah. mountain, he took a very big form. And then again, that, that yogi has that power. Then that uh, when he was going across the ocean, that, that Rakshasi opened her mouth and he simply came very small, went right in the mouth and came out the other side. So yogi can do that. Anima city can, can become very, very small. And uh, what's that other one? Anima what's it called? Manima? Manima. He can become very big. So yogi can do these things. So Hanuman was doing all these things. Ram, he wasn't. Hanuman was doing. 